Hey y'all, hey! Welcome to the Purpose University Podcast, your source of inspiration as you seek to overcome adversity, create your best life, and be your most authentic self. I am Dr. Eve, I'm your host, and I'm excited that you decided to join me on today because your time is valuable and I recognize you could be anywhere else, but you're here, so thank you. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm really happy to have you here, and I certainly hope that you come back for more. So, uh, real talk... If you're feeling what you're hearing, help the show grow. Leave a review and tell everyone you know. Now, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, people. So I am thrilled today to be sitting here with a fellow educator and first gen, Marquise Taylor, who is a speaker. He's a consultant and a workshop facilitator. And most of all, he is a higher education professional, one of which went to Wayne State University for undergrad and then turned around and went to Eastern Michigan University. Now he is working as an academic advisor and program coordinator at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. Um, something that you should know about him is that he's definitely into helping first gens, especially males of color, helping people live authentically. It's something that we share in common. So I'm not even going to say much more about you because you're just dope and I want you to tell everybody about yourself. So Marquise, hey. Hey, what's going on? Nothing much down here in the South trying to, you know, do something with my life. How you doing? Good. Up here in the North and it's pretty hot today. It's hot. It's hot up there for real? Yeah. How hot? What's hot? What's hot? Well, but you're in North Carolina, right? I am. Okay. So I visited North Carolina last March and they said it was like fairly decent. I think it was like 85 or something like that. I think it went like mid-March. But today in Minnesota, it is currently 91 degrees. So the humidity is kind of getting to us. We had to turn on the air. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I mean, but hey, at least you get a taste of the South today. We're going to say that. We gonna, You get yeah. a taste of the South. But look, I want to thank you again for coming on to the show. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to connect. I mean, I feel like we've connected in many ways. One was a speakers group, the Black Speaker Network group, and um, then on LinkedIn and just seeing each other's platforms and, and how we are so similar in the work that we're doing. So if you would, take a moment and just tell us your story. Yeah, so as far as my story is concerned, here at the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities campus. But prior to that, let me kind of backtrack. Born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Lived there pretty much my entire life before I transitioned over to uh, Minnesota, which I have been here for about five years. It'll be five years coming up in September. In addition to that, in Detroit, I went to Wayne State University, as you alluded to earlier. Graduated in 2009, I think. So my two-year anniversary is coming up. Then transitioned over to grad school, graduated from grad school, Eastern Michigan in 2013, earned my master's degree in higher education, student affairs, education leadership is like a long title, but it's pretty much student affairs. Right. Like I said, been here in Minnesota for about five years, in the five-year, fifth-year anniversary coming up in September. And I identify as a first-generation college graduate, but the biggest piece to my story is that I was a student who was conditionally admitted to my undergraduate institution. So uh, what I mean by that is that I admitted into a program and they sort of looked at other factors like students who were admitted to this program, ACT scores weren't the best, high school GPA wasn't the best. 
And Wayne State University is, I would consider, like, one of the big three in uh, in Michigan. So you have the University Mm -hmm. of Michigan, Michigan State, and then Wayne State. They're research one institutions. But the thing about Wayne State is in the heart of the city, and they had this program. And the program still goes on today, but they have this program. They want the students to, you know, have opportunity. So that's where a lot of my work, uh, working with underrepresented students, comes from. And... Yeah, I'm here and really enjoying the field of higher education. It's been great so far. I love higher ed. I do. I just couldn't do it much longer. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're enjoying it. But no, that, that's not the, you know, throw shade or anything. It's just when you talk about authenticity, right? For me, yeah. having flexibility and freedom is something that I longed for. And so the entrepreneurial thing ended up working for me. But higher ed is still my baby. So when I set up my business, even if you notice, it's the Purpose University podcast. I'm the Purpose Professor. Mm-hmm. Um, I still got that that summer, spring, fall, you know, when I do my sessions for my show. So I love higher ed. So much that I wanted to set my business up like a school. So, um, yeah, but I, I love that, you know, you're doing work with first gens and something that you talked about is having graduated in 2009. And I believe in our previous conversation, you shared that you were a little bit older than some of your classmates at the time. Tell us what, what happened. Just about one year. So I graduated high school in 2002, so I'm kind of dating myself, but I started undergrad in 2003. So it was just a year, and in that year, I just really trying to focus on getting myself together. I think at that time I was working, just doing things, trying to figure out life. You know, you're 18 years old, you really don't know what direction you're going into, and it just so happens that the Condition Admitted Program that I mentioned, they were able to sort of facilitate my admission into um, Wayne State, because at the time, mm-hmm. my GPA coming out of high school was like extremely low. My ACT scores were just, I don't even want to disclose my score, but the point is I just wasn't that academically prepared and or focused coming out of high school. So on hindsight, everything worked itself out. And once I was admitted into the program, um, just to be brief, the program itself, you, you were in the program for two years where you had to meet regularly with your advisors, sort of like that intrusive or proactive advice, I'd like to say. You had to meet with your advisor on a regular basis before you were able to formally declare your major. So mm-hmm. I declared my major and initially I wanted to do journalism based on my background in writing. But I was very dissatisfied with the journalism program at the time and ended up switching my major over to English. And from there, it just was on a consistent course. I guess, or just being consistent in taking classes and being a peer mentor, things like that. And that allowed me to graduate. And so it took me, I'll say five and a half years, give or take. But okay. the brief story of it is just, I was conditionally admitted, wasn't able to declare my major. And then, you know, life happened and I graduated. So <laughs> You graduated. That is the, the, yeah, yeah. the point of it all. You know, you graduated, you reached the goal. What I appreciate about you sharing that part of your experience is that you didn't graduate in four years. You didn't graduate in three and a half, that it did take you a little bit longer according to that standard for your graduation mark. And that's important, especially as a first gen, because not only the pressure to graduate, there's pressure to graduate in four years. There's pressure to you know be with your classmates you came in with. But there's also that thing about, oh, but I failed. Oh, but why didn't you graduate? You know, what happened to you? And mm-hmm. I like that a part of your experience has been it took you a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean that your degree, your experience is any less valid than anybody else's. Definitely. And to kind of go to your point, I think a lot of that time when I was in undergrad for, you know, five and a half years, a lot of it was self-discovery. 
I had mm-hmm. affirmation. Again, that same program that conditionally admitted me, I was able to become a peer mentor for that program and mentor students who were coming in after me. So as a sophomore or junior, I was able to mentor first and second year students and sort of provide them with the, I don't want to say the blueprint, but just some a sense of guidance as to this how you can these are one of the ways you can be successful at this institution and it was it was really good I, I value my time in undergrad I really think that it helped to shape who I am as a person both as a professional but also a man a black man I should say mm. Mm. so tell me a little bit about you being a self-identified first gen where did that come from well, first of all, and I'm not sure if people recognize this, and I kind of gave a presentation on a similar topic, is that I didn't know what the heck a first-generation college student was until <laughs> after I had graduated from undergrad, and I began to study it more in grad school. And I can remember, I think it was like our Intro to Student Affairs class or Contemporary College Students or whatever, we looked at like subpopulations of college students. And one of those populations that they mentioned were first-generation college students. So first generation being defined in a multitude of definitions, whether it's the first in your family to attend college, neither of your parents have a bachelor's degree, neither of them have an associate's degree, things like that. And kind of disclosed, neither one of my parents were fortunate enough to graduate high school. And I'm also the oldest of four children. Hmm. So I was like, oh, this kind of fits me to a T because I had no capital going in. Like, it's not like my parents could say, oh, yeah, you need to be doing such and such. That's how you fill out the financial aid and Pell Grant. A lot of those things, they were supportive of me by way of you, you, when you're doing your Pell Grant, you know, fortunate to have parents, you have to, the tax information, so they would give those things to me. But in the hindsight, excuse me, not in hindsight, but in reality, they would do as best as they could to support me without knowing the expectations and or really the realities of going to college. So in that sense, having learned all of that in grad school, I'm like, whoa, this fits me to a T. It's almost like it was me. And on top of that, mm. being initially admitted student going into undergrad. So it was like, this is my identity. I own it. And mm. yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Mm. I love that because I, too, am self-identified. And so when you talk about us being twins, like we are literally twins. (laughs) Um, Same thing. I went to school for journalism undergrad and ended up in the higher ed program. And it wasn't until then that I discovered I was first gen. And the conversation, you know, going to undergrad was going to grad school. You're going to grad school. They were very developmental for me. But it was just kind of normal that everybody there was the first to go, but it didn't really mean the same thing to me as an undergrad to be first gen as it did to be a grad student and doing the same thing. Like, what? Wait a minute. We special? (laughs) Like, wait Mm -hmm. a minute. There's a research about people like me. But it also allows you to say, wow, I did it. Wow. I'm not in that statistic. You know, I can be the example now. So very dope of you to even like step into it and to really own it because that's how you change the game, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And kudos to you for having this platform. I probably should have said this earlier. And I'm pretty sure you receive all types of positive feedback, but just having this platform is great within itself because not many of these platforms exist. So thank you for Mm. having this to begin with. Wow. Thank you. I'm definitely honored by that. Thank you a lot. I believe that we need each other. And when I think about who my peers are, I think about us, us being first gens, because thinking about all the things in life that I guess for lack of better words, we grew up lacking. And then as professionals, the things that we still lack, 
one of my thoughts was how can we come together and help each other because we're all going through the same thing in one way or another. So I, I definitely appreciate the love and for even the validating that these platforms are needed so that people will continue to pay us the attention that we deserve, but also to be able to respect us and to notice us no matter the space that we go into. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you believe to be the most challenging aspect of navigating life as a first gen? Yeah, I mean, I can answer their perspective from, or rather, what perspective would you like for me to answer? Do you want me to answer from the perspective of undergraduate student or college graduate? I can go either or whatever you want from me. Talk about being a college graduate. Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. So a short answer would be some of those same things that you long for when you are an undergraduate, being in a new environment, trying to find capital, trying to find mentors, things like that, really trying to, in some way, when I hate to say this word, but assimilate or become socialized to an environment, still feel some of those same things because, and I'll give you an example, is when we had this intro to student affairs class, we spoke about all these different functional areas, advising, residence life, admissions, all the different functional areas, you name it. But never once do we talk about who is the first in their family to graduate college. Or I know we spoke about things like racial ethnic identification to a, a certain degree, but we never spoke about who is the first in their family to graduate college. And I bring this up to say is once you go to grad school or even when you go to like transition work, it's almost like you have to reprove yourself in a way which you do similarly when you're under you're trying to mm. identify your network. You're trying to identify who your colleagues are, people who can support you. But in short, looking for the affirmation and what does that look like? So I can say with all certainty, going into grad school, really, I was looking for a lot of those things and then transitioning into the world of work. Especially transitioning into a new state. That's a, another conversation for another day, but mm-hmm. transitioning into a new state and having these different identities, being a, a black man, being a first-gen graduate, being some of the other things that I associate with my identity. So combining all those things into one and still looking for the affirmation and not knowing whether or not you're doing as good of a job as you think you could be doing. So I would say that's the short, <laughs> as short as I can make it, version of that. All good. (laughs) All good. So saying all those things, you made me think about the need to be affirmed. How were you able to find that, that affirmation and that validation that you needed while on the journey? What was your experience? Because I know that can be hard, especially going to a new state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all began in grad school. And I know it sounds cliche to say, but having mentors in in Mm -hmm. grad school had uh, incredible amount of mentors not in the sense of I had like 20 or so mentors I believe in quality over quantity so I would I don't want to say like latch on I would make sure that I was in the company of those who were uplifting me and it was almost like it was a mutual thing where the mentors it was a we were learning things from one another so I would say that and those same mentors that I identified in grad school and people who helped me along my journey also served as job references to allowed me to get to the place where I am now, transitioning to Minnesota, being in a different state, some of those same things, connecting with people, whether it be through affinity groups, through places of worship, and out in the community, things like that. And it's still a work in progress because I identify as a, you know, introvert. I like to think I'm a social introvert, but... <laughs> 
you really have to put yourself out there sometimes. And it also depends on like a person's level of comfort as well. So definitely can dig that. So thinking about where you are in your life right now, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self advice about living your best life, what would you say to 18 year old Marquise? <laughs> yeah, it's literally when I graduated high school. Um, so it was 2002. I know you joked earlier about the eight mile thing that actually came out when I graduated. <laughs> funny you mentioned that i would just say continue to use your voice and one thing i did mention i kind of like lost this part of my identity especially as i got older i was really into music when i was younger i used to mc back in the day that was like a really big part of my identity i thought i was going to you know do it professionally be an mc professionally and saying that it gave me a voice it gave me affirmation it gave me purpose so having said that, continue to use your voice and use it as a platform for affirmation, use it as a platform for a purpose, but also using it as a platform to uplift people and not be as self-serving. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm kind of going as I've gotten older, not that old, but <laughs> I kind of subscribe to the mantra, lift as you climb and try to make the place better than when you first arrived there. So I would say those things, using your voice for affirmation and not be as self-serving and also using it to uplift others as well. Mm. So on the flip side, what is some of the best advice someone has ever given to you? Who put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, you know. Yeah, you really put me on the spot. I'll, I'll say this, and I don't know necessarily think it's advice, but I really think that it's more or less like a product of affirmation and who would help to shape me as a, a person. Back in Detroit, I went from elementary school to middle school, um, Afrocentric school, Malcolm X Academy. And what they instilled in us is self-pride, self-determination, just that you are special. Don't ever let anybody tell you different. You belong here. And that's where a lot of my self-confidence comes from. And not just myself, but everybody who's going to that school, everybody had the opportunity, whether they're for a year or two, a semester or a school year, I should say. We got a lot of self-confidence from that we still see our teachers whether it be through social media or for those of us who are still in the Detroit area or wherever the case may be they gave us so much affirmation a lot of that's where a lot of my self-confidence comes from like mm. black is beautiful I know the James Brown black and I'm proud that's cliche in a certain way but it still is not cliche to me because it gave me so much purpose so much identity and I feel I feel like I'm quoting a lot of songs here but ain't no mountain high enough (laughs) (laughs) you said you love music you said you love music yeah yeah. (laughs) so I would say not necessarily advice but just that's where a lot of my self-confidence derives from a lot of my upbringing knowing of my history and knowing who I am as a person and just being proud to be transparent being proud to be black word (laughs) so tell me then because you talk a lot about authenticity as well What Mm -hmm. drove you to build your platform around authenticity for first gens? I'm going to be very transparent and saying moving to Minnesota really, really catapulted that. Mm -hmm. And in the sense of, and this is something I'm going to kind of discuss, people who know me already know this, but one of the reasons I moved to Minnesota wasn't like I was, I got to move to Minnesota. It was like the destination place. But Mm -hmm. I am a really, really big Prince fan. And 
difference is from Minnesota, Minneapolis, born and raised. And one thing I've always admired about Prince is he's always been himself. He's very authentic. You can never put Prince into a category. So having said that, when I moved to Minnesota, I didn't notice everybody here looked like me. I'm like, wow, like, this is a lot different from Detroit, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, mm-hmm. it was, who am I? And you, I ask myself that question on a regular basis. Who am I? And then from there, what are my values? What is my purpose? Things like that. And it brought me back to, okay, I came to Minnesota, or rather I was led to Minnesota. I don't want to get too spiritual, but I was led to Minnesota for a reason. And as I, and I'm still trying to figure that reason out, but as I uncovered some of that possible reason, and I learned more about myself as far as being yourself, being authentic, and then owning the identity I had as a first-generation graduate, Black Mm -hmm. man, and other identities as well. I thought about that, and it brought me back to people I admire i.e. print and Mm. who he is and how you can never place him into a category and it brought me back to my daily work and working with students and what can I do to support those students and what can I do to support people who want to just be themselves and not be placed into a category or a block so there you go I can can definitely dig that (laughs) yes it does and you know I think I saw when you wrote a blog post about what Prince teaches us about being authentic so I'm like it all comes together now yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very dope of you. So, <laughs> thinking about your website, your blog, I Am Authentically Me, I mean, all the other things that you have going on, just curious to know what's next for you. Ooh, really good question. And I tried to prepare as best as I could because I know one of your other guests, you asked, I think it was, was it Jarrell? That person that you interviewed, I think? Uh-huh, Jarrell Johnson. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember how he answered the question. I know that was something that you would ask him. Like, how do you best ask, answer this question? But anyway, shout out to Jarrell. Good interview, by the way. But as far as what's next for me, really taking things one step at a time. I just transitioned to a new role on the Twin Cities campus, working in the College of Science Engineer. I'm really enjoying that, especially the work that I'm going to be doing with the self-identified first-generation students, but also good possibility I'll be working closely with the ESB National Society of Black Engineers. So continuing that work that, again, began in elementary school, that affirmation, things like that. Want to go back to school and trying to catch up with you, or rather, what you're doing with the doctoral degree. You are Dr. Eve, so uh, <laughs> definitely want to <laughs> be Dr. Keith or Dr. Taylor Marquise at, at some point, but not for the sense of having the uh, the title of doctor. And that's like to think that you feel this way as well, but to uplift your community and to mm-hmm. do things to bring value to your family's name and bringing value to your community so that way you can uplift others so that can that's something down the road and also kind of looking at uh, platforms like this podcast things like that that's something i continue to flesh out and we can definitely talk more about that offline but yeah just taking things one step at a time living my authentic best life and just enjoying things just being appreciative being blessed waking up every day being thankful and grateful Mm. (laughs) absolutely it's funny that you said oh not funny but it's like oh i felt you when you said that to get the degree to do something with it Mm -hmm. so full disclosure when i was working on my doctorate i remember somebody asking Mm -hmm. me what does this degree mean to you and Mm -hmm. while my eyes were set on being a college president one day what i kept telling people was i'm not doing this for me I'm doing this for the people who need to know that they can do it too. So Mm -hmm. me having this PhD has 
always been about a pride, especially for the us's, the first gen folks, the folks from hardship, the first, the folks who really had to shed some tears to get where they are, who've had to lose some sleep to get where they are, especially through that academic realm of things. But also, how can you uplift the people if you haven't done what you're telling them to do? So for me, it's been exciting to have the PhD as a as an academic platform um, or background rather, but then to be able to have the research skills, <laughs> to have built the community of other individuals who are first gen and understand it, but then to be able to fall into an entrepreneurial space. So to be able to have in my head the best of both worlds. So I like your your thought process about it. While I'm not publishing academic literature right now, I have the capacity to do it and will do it actually. I do plan on doing that, but then again, it's on my own terms, which ends up being empowering for me as well to find, as they say, find the gap. There's so many gaps that only focusing on higher ed, I would not have caught. But being in the space that I work now, I'm like, ooh, that's a gap, that's a gap, and that's a gap too. So kudos to you for having the heart to want to do it. I know that you can, I know that you will. And Dr. Keith sounds real cool. Like, I like that a lot. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's got the ring to it. That's got the ring to it. So go forward. Definitely, most definitely. And again, people like yourself, other people, whether it be scholars, practitioners, whatever the case may be, doing it as a way to uplift other people is something mm -hmm. that I definitely admire about yourself and other people that I've come across, whether they be in education, anthropology, you name it. As long as you're doing it to uplift other people. And mm -hmm. um, yes, it's a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, I can only imagine the commitment and the dedication it takes to do that. But to what purpose, and no pun intended, what purpose is that serving for both yourself, but most importantly, the community? And Again, that's where I see myself going. I don't want to put a timeline on it because I don't want people to like, <laughs> be like, hey, you said in 2018 you're going to do such and such. But I just want to take it one step at a time because like the undergrad experience, self-discovery is, in many cases, the best teacher. So, mm -hmm. Let's forward it up. Yeah. So as we're wrapping it up, I know I'm sad too. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, the conversation has been great because I like that, again, the perspective, self-identified. It hasn't always been easy to even have to think about building confidence. I love how you talk about that, especially as a first generation black man. If you could talk right now specifically to the black men who are like you, what do you need or want for them to hold dear to their heart? Yeah, Eve, that's a really good question. Um, I would say... And this is, in many cases, easier said than done, is to go to spaces where you feel affirmed and not judged. So more affirmation, less judgment. Having said that, places where you are able to practice that authenticity or live out that authenticity and really just being yourself i mean i am available but i also recognize that i'm one person but at the same time and i feel like i'm just close so much <laughs> music but i'm just gonna 
quote uh, my guy Pac right quick. I think he said something <laughs> like, kind of paraphrasing it, but this is like an interview. He said he like something to the effect like I may not be the person to change the world, but I can plant the seed to spark it or something like that. I'm kind of paraphrasing mm-hmm. it. This is like he mm-hmm. said in the interview. So if I can, in some cases, plant that seed and, and people like me continue to do that, the possibilities are endless as to what we can accomplish. So having said that, really going for these young guys to go out to these places where they are receiving more affirmation and less judgment and mm. just kind of go for there because again I think and I, and I think you believe this as well as we live out our best lives or we go in a place where we are able to be authentic it allows us to uncover passions and once we uncover passions and that can lead to careers or it doesn't necessarily have to be a career but it can just lead to something and whether it be an idea or a platform or a career Whatever the case may be, I just believe that authenticity can convert itself into passion, which can in turn transition itself into success. So, yeah, just mm. be yourself. You have to wrap it up. Say, be yourself. Find places you can be yourself. Be yourself. I like that. I did a program back in February for an institution, and it was called Check Yourself, Be Yourself. So I love that. Be yourself. You got to be yourself. <laughs> have to have to so since you are the man with the music i just gotta ask you right i mean before we get off this call what yeah, is yeah. your favorite like genre of music do you have any favorite artists because you done taking me from james brown to tupac <laughs> i mean so who, who do you love who do you love i'll try to be brief i mean i already mentioned prince that's the foundation um stevie wonder Nas. Grew up listening to Pac, uh, Redman, Exhibit, AZ, Mob Deep, um, Boney James, Raheem Devon, Dwelle, Jill Scott, Ben Condition. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> tossing some names out. Um, but what I was listening to recently, um, and if people have some time on their hands, and I don't know what made me listen to it, but it just sparked an interest. I went back and listened to Stevie Wonder's Intervision album that has like Living for the City and hmm. some couple other songs on there. But that to me represents black music. If you had to like have a definition of black music or just, like, I don't even want to label it, just music in general, but I'm just going to emphasize the word black anyway because I don't care. Um, Intervision, <laughs> that album right there, if you ever had the opportunity to sit and just listen to that, it's just dope. And I also just, let me just. <laughs> Probably rabbit pick. I'm talking too much about music. Um, if I were stranded on the desert islands, the three albums I would want would be that album: CD Wonders, Intervision, Prince, 1999, and Biggie, Life After Death. Those would be the three hmm. albums I would listen to. Those are like, yeah. <laughs> well, check that out. That's okay then. I like. I like that. Is you have that? How they said? Well, my mommy said does. The, the good folk music <laughs> so like <laughs> how music used to be good back in the day kind of like how now we yeah. think the music is trash so like yeah you like the classics so I'm like yeah I rock with you I, I feel you on that definitely feel you on that <laughs> well, look Marquise you have been an absolute pleasure to connect with today to talk to again thank you for just coming onto the show and sharing your wisdom if you will tell us how to find you in the internet space yeah for sure so I'm on Facebook I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Marquise Taylor's Probably none as handsome as me. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Feeling yourself. <laughs> Marquise Taylor. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. But if you're on Twitter, you can look me up. My Twitter handler is M Taylor. So M and my last name, T-A-Y-L-O-R. 
313 area code of Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. So M Taylor at M Taylor 313. I got all sidetracked. I'm not on Instagram. Some people tell me not to get on there. Um, <laughs> You're missing out. You're missing out. Yeah, that's another conversation for another day. But yeah, I primarily use those platforms. And also my website, which I need to update more frequently, is I am I A M dash and it authentically me. I'm not going to try to spill authentically <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, I need some dinner first. And then I am authenticallyme.com and I have a couple of blog entries and try to get that up and running more consistently. But yeah, so those are the primary ways to get in contact with me. Well, again, thank you for your time, for your wisdom, for your, your efforts. Wishing you well on the path. Good luck to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And peace to everybody. Keep doing your thing, Dr. Eve. And everybody is listening to you to, as Dr. Eve will probably say, live your best life. And I'm just happy the platform exists and keep doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you so very much.